Please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. And we're going to take a little break from the Gospel of Luke. And I wanted to focus on First Thessalonians this, uh, this Sunday as we are heading towards our Thanksgiving week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and although my focus in our sermon will be on, uh, on verses 6 through 10, I want to read for us the, the whole passage to give us uh, context. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6, or actually the whole chapter. The Apostle Paul writes these words, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain." Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you, for this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if we stand firm, if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. God bless the reading of his word. Uh, You probably are aware that this coming uh, Thursday is Thanksgiving. And traditionally, uh, in, a, in the pre-pandemic world, uh, the Thanksgiving holiday would be one of those holidays that our nation uh, as a whole would travel great distances to be with family, to be with loved ones, so that they might celebrate and give thanks, to, uh, give thanks for, for the blessings uh, and for the things that they appreciate in life. But as you know, the year is 2020. And due to the rising cases of COVID-19, Indoor social gatherings have been severely limited, to say the least. Our own state has, um, and county has released various guidelines to, to help us have a safe Thanksgiving. So, as you gather with three or less families outdoors for your Thanksgiving dinner, for no more than two hours, by the way, seated six feet apart, uh, with masks on, with masks off only during eating and drinking, and as well, no chanting, shouting, or singing. With all that, may you have a happy Thanksgiving. Well, and I, I hope you do have a happy Thanksgiving. Certainly, we listen to these guidelines and we say, wow, 
those things can really put a damper on our normal Thanksgiving celebrations. But I hope that we, of all people, as Christians, will have nevertheless reasons to give thanks. First of all, because we are Christians, and our hope is in Christ. We have a, a eternal security. Uh, we have a one that we know is in control of all things. We have a confidence in knowing that one whose words are all going to come to pass, just as he promised them to us. But second of all, we have reason to give thanks because we belong to his body, to Christ's church, to, to this particular local body, San Francisco Bible Church. And Lord willing, next Sunday will be our first return of our in-person services. And that is a big Lord willing. Pray for that. And while that is reason to rejoice, if we consider these past eight months that we have been apart, I hope that we too can find many reasons in those eight months to give thanks to God for Christ as well as for His church. Though we live in a COVID-19 world, God did not stop working in the life of Christ's church. Yes, it has not been easy, it's true. But I hope that you have found many reasons to give thanks to God for Christ and for His church during these eight months. That it has not become a, a time of, of discontent. It has not become a, a time of, of just grumbling. It has not become a time of worry or anxiety. But it is a time to hope. A time to be strengthened in Christ. Today's passage involves a church that the Apostle Paul had actually been separated from due to persecution. Despite their separation and their, their, their a period of time apart, Paul discovers that they continue to grow without him there. And our passage today deals with, or details Paul's thanksgiving to God for the work that God has wrought in the life of the Thessalonian church, even while separated. To give a little background, just a bit of review, as we've read in 1 Thessalonians, really to understand Thessalonians, you have to go back to Acts chapter 17. Shortly after Paul's Macedonian vision, he heads over to, to Greece from Asia Minor. But the ministry, even though he sensed that it was God's calling, it was anything but smooth sailing. It was hard work. In Philippi, they were beaten and they were jailed. In Acts 17, finally, they, they arrive at Thessalonica, where he began proclaiming the gospel over a period of weeks and months, telling to the Jews first in the synagogues, but then to the Greeks. And the good news is that some believed the message of the gospel. But before Paul could strengthen this fledgling church, he was forced out by a mob. They had become led, it was led by Jews who were jealous, unbelieving Jews. So Paul then moves on eventually through Macedonia into Achaia from, to Athens and then eventually to Corinth. And in our passage today, Paul expresses his response to a report that he receives from Timothy. In it, he, uh, we learn from Paul to respond as he does, to give thanks to God for what God is doing in the life of this church, even during our time apart. And I hope that you can see some of the connections from this passage to our day. And as for an outline for us this morning, we're going to look at three qualities, three qualities of a church for which we can give thanks to God. 
You look for reasons to give thanks. I know who we're all going to say, you know, this Sunday or this Thursday, you're going to say, I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for Christ. Uh, I'm thankful for, you know, just the, the home I live in you know, or something like that. You're gonna, we're all going to give those same answers. But hopefully we can think about what specific things that God is actually doing. In a sense, almost like stories of what God is doing. And think of those concrete things, the things that are, God is doing in the church, in your life and mine that we can give thanks to God for. All right? So let's take a look then at these uh, three qualities of a church for which we can give thanks to God. Number one, we give thanks to God for a church that is steadfast in faith and love. We give thanks to God for a church that is steadfast in faith and love. Verse 6, look at there with me. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. Well, stop right there. Back in verse 1 of this chapter, you remember, Paul explained how from Athens he had sent Timothy back to Thessalonica. It was a long journey, uh, just kind of going up uh, from southern Greece to northern Greece. And the apostle had been quite concerned for this, the spiritual well-being of this young church. It was because particularly they were under persecution. So he sent Timothy to go back to strengthen and encourage them as to their faith. We read that in verse 2. He was concerned that they would be disturbed by their afflictions. And, and you know, as young Christians, it's easy to be disturbed by afflictions, by trials. You wonder, wait, I thought when I believed in Jesus, I would never have any troubles again. You know, did you believe that? I, I sure thought I would. that's what would happen. But the fact is we live in a sin-cursed world. We still dwell in the flesh. That's under the, curse of, under the curse of sin. And so we experience the effects of sin in our world. But it's with Christ, it's, he changes how we respond to those trials. And they responded, though they were, he was, he was worried that they would be disturbed by those afflictions. They responded in a way that gave thanks, that Paul found reason to give thanks to God. They were unlike the uh, unlike the, the the hard, the rocky or thorny soils of, of Jesus' parable. You remember that parable? Choked out by uh, by worries and temptations. That was Paul's concern for them. But but they weren't. They didn't do that. They were though they had reasons to to worry. They trusted the Lord. Timothy rather brought Paul good news of their faith and love. Paul even uses. Uh, the verb here that is often translated as proclaiming the gospel. The good news that he hears about what had happened about the Thessalonians' uh, well-being, spiritual well-being, was like hearing the gospel to him. It was good news. It was great news. And the great news is that the Thessalonian church had remained steadfast in, first of all, their faith in God. He had received good news of your faith. They had not fallen away without Paul's ongoing apostolic ministry. And that's because their faith was not in Paul, but was instead in God. Back in chapter 2, verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, read this. Uh, Paul wrote, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. See, it was God's word that they had heard 
from the Apostle Paul. Yes, Paul was the messenger, but it was God's message. It was God's word that they heard and believed. It was God's word that worked in their hearts in the face of affliction, even without the Apostle Paul. One of the greatest concerns during this pandemic, uh, from a church standpoint, is the possibility that some of you may be falling away from the faith due to temptations or worries that are created through this in this pandemic. But we also know that the faith that God gives is a faith that perseveres. Trials like Thessalonica's persecution or today's pandemic do not destroy faith. They test faith. Affliction and pressure, various trials test one's faith in God. And every time you and I face a trial, we are, are challenged at that point. We're tested to trust God. And that test becomes a temptation to not trust God. But hopefully we respond by trusting in God. And for some of you younger believers out there, we understand, I understand, this pandemic, this shelter in place may likely be the greatest test of your faith in your lifetime. But there will be greater challenges and there will be greater trials. And how you respond now, it will go forward to the future, into the future of how you respond to future trials. Be aware of the challenge of your faith in the midst of this pandemic. Look back, as you look back, just be aware that how it's testing, how it's stretching you, how it's causing you to either trust God or tempt you not. Understand that it, it serves to test your faith and produce, according to God's word, produce endurance so that you will be complete, you'll be mature in Christ. You'll be aware that even though I'm being under trial, I really don't lack anything. I lack nothing. Because, why? Because you and I have Christ. And that is all we need, right? We sing about that. Do we really mean that? Trials cause us to think about that. You don't have church? Well, you have Christ. You don't have your freedom? You have Christ. You don't have a job? You have Christ. You don't have your health? You have Christ. Is Christ sufficient? Even as you and I are losing other things in this fallen, sin-cursed world. Timothy's report was good news because the Thessalonians had been steadfast in their faith in, the, in, in, this, in their time apart. But Timothy's report was also good news because they had been steadfast in their love. And this love begins with a, a love for God, right? It's a love always begins with God, but it visibly and eventually manifests in a love for one another, horizontal love. The Thessalonians are known for their love for one another. At the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, Paul gives thanks to God for their labor of love, a labor that is born out of love. At the beginning of 2 Thessalonians, Paul continues to give thanks that their love for one another grows even stronger, ever greater. See, not only did the Thessalonian church love one another, but they also had sincere love for the Apostle Paul and his missionary team. Timothy reported that they, uh, that they ki thought kindly. They remembered basically well uh, of Paul. They, had, they held him in, in good regard. Now keep in mind, this is an amazing truth in light of the fact that their lives were turned completely upside down when Paul of Tarsus showed up in their city. One moment, they were all probably worshiping God together with their neighbors in the synagogue. But once they heard about Jesus being the Christ and him being crucified, the next moment, 
Those same neighbors that they were worshiping with were leading a mob to attack their homes, drag them before out into the streets before city authorities and then being accused of being seditionists with the penalty is death. As a result of all that, they, they sent Paul and Silas away. But the persecutions didn't stop. And Paul might have feared that the afflictions would have left them bitter or even angry at him. Yet despite the persecutions, they were not embittered toward Paul. As he hears this report from Timothy, he finds that they longed for Paul. They longed to once again see the one who had told them of Jesus the Christ who suffered and died and rose from the dead for their sin. And we should, you know, one of the things we should always give thanks to God is for the person who has told us and shared with us the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should always give thanks every year. You know, instead of Thanksgiving, we should call it uh, gospel giving. Thanks, gospel giving. Yeah, that's a good name. We remember, who did we hear the gospel from? Because that's a message that, that's a treasure, a gift that none, none, uh, no, no greater gift could be given, humanly speaking. During shelter in place, we have not had the opportunity to see each other as we would like. And one might think that we have had less opportunities, in fact, to show love for one another. Because if we're not around each other, how can we show love? But I believe, and as I've heard so many stories, I believe as a church, we have become more intentional in our love for one another. I really, I've said it to some of the leadership, I really feel like during shelter in place, during the pandemic, you know, before the gift of teaching was probably the most prominent gift in, in, in this church among the different areas of service. But I feel like what I've seen thrive and shine in, our, in our, the church in this, during this pandemic is the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy. Some of you have been just showing out of love, have been showing mercy, compassion to one another, just being reaching out. And that's just really thriving. And you don't toot your horns. I know you guys. I know you. I hear the stories, though. I've been the recipients of some of that. And it's all to the praise of God. Caring for one another, calling others, helping others with needs, baking goodies and treats for one another, cooking and delivering meals. Not to mention, of course, the regular still ongoing planning and preparing for weekly ministries to, to not only adults, but also to children, as some of you are doing. I really hope and that for every member of this church that, that, your, that this pandemic has increased your love, first of all, for God and your faith in Him, but your love for one another, for the body of Christ. Now, I know that that may not be true for all of us. And if you're feeling that your love for God and for others has grown cold, then a great place to start is to ask God to ask God and ask Him to increase your love. I would also encourage you to just begin on meditating on His love. Because you will not love until you remember and reflect upon and are gripped by the fact that God loved you we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 And I also hope that like the Thessalonians, you, long, you will long to see one another again. Even if you're the most extreme introvert, you're the most private person, I hope as a believer in Christ, in this time apart has caused you to long for the body even more. I hope you've seen that in these eight months that virtual service, though we're thankful for virtual service, we're thankful for online meetings. They're nice to have because we know of churches that don't have them at all. 
that still, even in this, this kind of gathering that we have, there, there's still something missing. When we don't see each other face to face in person. It's surely, I can tell you as, some, as a preacher, it's really different to preach to an empty room. But I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you even as I'm preaching. I long to see you face to face that I might preach to you in person. Now we might have taken our worship in person, grant, to, you know, taken it all for granted prior to this pandemic, but I imagine that none of us will come together to worship <laughs> with the same attitude ever again. When we come back together, I trust that we're going to find a church too that has grown stronger in its faith and stronger in its love for God and for one another. And for a church that is steadfast in faith and love, that is reason to give thanks to God. Secondly, we move on. Secondly, our, our next point that we can draw from this passage, that another reason we give thanks to God is for a church that stands firm in affliction. A church that stands firm in affliction. Verses 7 through 8. Look at there with me, please. For this reason, brethren, uh, in all our distress and afflictions, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. The good report from Timothy brought comfort to Paul. He too was, uh, he too all, uh, was facing distress and affliction in the ministry. Wherever he traveled, he, in Macedonia and Achaia, there were occasions to be discouraged. Even in Corinth, where he was writing this letter, Paul, at the moment, he, had, he was facing opposition from unbelieving Jews. Eventually, they even brought him to be prosecuted before the Roman governor in that region. But in addition to persecution, Paul may have felt other distresses and other afflictions. He may have felt the distress of wondering how the Thessalonians and other churches were doing. He may have been concerned for the well-being and safety of his fellow missionary Timothy and Silas, who who he had sent to Macedonia. He may be weighed down by the load of being a tent maker as well as a missionary. And though Paul had many occasions to be discouraged, we find here in this verse, in verse uh, 7, that he was comforted. Literally, he's encouraged when he received the news of the Thessalonians. See, their faith, their faith in the face of distress and affliction was a means of encouragement to Paul in his distress and affliction. Paul's great comfort is expressed in verse 8. For now... We really live if you stand firm in the Lord. Now certainly Paul is not saying that his physical life was dependent upon uh, the Thessalonians standing firm in their faith. But rather he was saying that he was experiencing the satisfaction, the peace in life. Life as it, in a sense as it was meant to be enjoyed as he was hearing this news of them continuing standing firm in their faith. I have a funny illustration. I thought about this. Actually, I thought about this verse. It made me think of this uh, something that happened the past week. I was outside with my with our children. Cindy and I were out while they were doing yard work. And after just a period of doing some pretty good, you know, heavy, hardcore yard work out there, pulling uh, weeds and vines and whatnot, I was sitting down with one of my children, enjoying and resting, enjoying a drink together. Awesome, uh, uh, and. I was just kind of, in talking with him, I said to him, Son, this is the life. 
This is the life. It was a beautiful sunny day. We had just accomplished a lot of good work. The, the yard looked decent. Um, but best of all, I was just able to sit down there and be with my family, uh, enjoying a cold drink on a, uh, after a, a good day's work. It was a moment of satisfaction and contentment that came from recognizing that in the midst of this whole wide world, in the contrast to all the joys, all the sights, all the excitements that one could find in this world, and in contrast to all the disappointments, all the pains, all the sin curse effects of a fallen world, then in light of all this, to sit down, to eat, drink, and be merry with the family that you love is one of God's great earthly blessings. It's one of the joys of life. It's life. Hearing the Thessalonians standing firm in the faith brought Paul such comfort and peace that this is the life. This is the life. That's when hearing of the Thessalonians standing firm. It's a satisfaction. He is experiencing that satisfaction that makes the distresses and afflictions of life and ministry in this fallen world worth it. It's all worth it when he hears them standing firm. Ah, its ministry is hard. Life is hard. There are sins. There are struggles. There are distresses and afflictions. But when I hear you standing firm, this is really living. This is life. This is why we exist. When I hear that the members of this church, and I know I haven't heard from many of you, or all of you, but when we hear the various members, we hear stories of different individuals continue to stand firm in their faith. As a fellow Christian, when I, in, as I face the distresses and afflictions of my own life during this time, I find comfort and encouragement. You see, we encourage others to stand firm when we stand firm in the Lord. How you respond to trials ultimately affects other people and how they respond to trials. Are you, are you standing firm in the Lord in this time of distress? And if you sell, you, you're encouraging others. I know early on in the pandemic, I started having some health issues. But in fellowship with other saints, I heard that other saints have been having health issues. And how they respond in their health issues has encouraged me to respond and be comforted in mine. But if you're not, if it's been going, if, and I know that we're not all able to stand firm. All of us are, maybe just some of us are feeling weak at this time. Then I encourage you to reach out to others to help for help encouragement. Or maybe if you know someone that's not doing well, that you reach out and, and help to offer help and encouragement. Look to others' faith. Find comfort. For if they can grow, grow or stand firm in faith during this lockdown, then so can you. Because the faith that you have in Christ is a gift from God. And God doesn't give defective gifts. The gospel... And the faith that you have to believe in it are powerful 
impetus to cause you to stand firm. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul exhorts the, the Philippians, the fellow Macedonians. He says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. See, the gospel of Christ is it's, it's, it's something that motivates us to and how we live. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, so whether I'm here with you or I'm not, whether we're apart, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The gospel and the faith in it are all God's gifts. And they are meant to get, uh, given to us so they would encourage us. As we meditate, we reflect upon these truths. They motivate us to stand firm and to together as one because of this common bond we have in, our, in the gospel. That we would strive together in the gospel. And that's why we, we reach out to fellow believers. And that's why we reach out to you when, when you're not doing well, when you're struggling. And we come and become aware of that. I wonder, has SF Bible stood firm in faith during this pandemic? Have you stood firm in your faith during this pandemic? Have you heard of testimonies of individuals who have gone through difficult times during this pandemic? I, I, I know you have. I know I have. And have you, have you heard of how they responded in faith? And stood firm and trusted. And they've asked for prayer because they know that the one who is in control of their life is God. And they ask for prayer because it's hard. It's not easy. It doesn't mean it's it easy. But asking for help, asking for prayer, asking for encouragement is a sign of faith. Standing firm in that faith. And for these reasons, we, would, we give thanks to God. Just kind of, kind of somewhat related. Speaking of standing firm in the midst of affliction, yesterday I was, I was watching. I saw a video online uh, of the house churches in China. You guys probably saw the same video if you follow those kind of news. But this house church was meeting. It's one of those unregistered house churches. Because when they register, the the church, the government starts telling them what they got to do. They got to, you know, you know, controls. Starts telling them, uh, well, giving them all sorts of regulations that uh, violate uh, their their conscience and the scriptures. But the police came in to this basically illegal, unregistered uh, worship service of this church, and they basically were came in to arrest the pastor because they were having these holdings of these services. And all the while, uh, um, uh, they're they, they have this, there's a yelling exchange between, uh, like the church people and the police officers, it seems like. At least, a, or argument of some sort. And then, you see a clip where the police officers allow, agree to allow the church to, to at least finish their service. And so it's, but it, it's, it's kind of frightening. If you put yourself in their shoes, it's frightening because all the while they're having service, but the police officers are just standing up there and they're using their, their camera phones or whatever cameras they have and they're recording everything that's going on. And you know, in those kind of, in those kind of authoritarian governments, it's basically a communication message saying, you know, we know who you are. We're not recording this so we can watch it at home and be blessed later. They're recording it so that they can then say, we got you on film in an illegal gathering of this church. And we can at any time arrest you, 
fine you, penalize you, and so you better behave. And that's what it was saying. They allowed, of course, they allowed the, the service was over after they recorded everything to basically have all the evidence against them. Uh, and this room was full of just not just, you know, young people. It was full of families with kids, elderly people, saints, all worshiping the Lord. And then you kind of, the report is that they arrested the pastor, arrested his wife, arrested several of the church leaders, confiscated their phones, and then took them, uh, took them down. And uh, the news, at least that I read, that they were released uh, sometime that day, later that day. But I tell you, that is a church. The China, churches in China are churches that are standing firm in affliction. And there's lessons to learn because we, we need to give thanks to God for them. A church that's proclaiming the gospel. It's a, it was a conservative church out there. Pray for them, but mostly learn from them what it means to stand firm. Because the time may come when it will be our turn. A church that stands firm in affliction, though, is a reason to give thanks to God. Third point. We give thanks to God for a church that is sanctified by God. For a church that is sanctified by God. Verse 9 and 10. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day... uh, Keep, as we, keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Paul is asking a rhetorical question here. So they say, what things can we render? What things can we offer to God? <laughs> uh, in return for all the joy that we received because of the news that we hear about you, Thessalonians. Or maybe, is, he's not implying that, well, maybe he's like, oh, should I, give you, should I give God a little thanks? Or should I give him some thanks? Maybe much thanks? Maybe he deserves a one-time big thanks, you know, like a big celebration thanks. No, none of that's adequate, is, is Paul's implication. Paul knows that God deserves continual, all-the-time thanks. He knows that one can't just say, thanks, God, and that, that somehow that, that was adequate return to God for what he's done in the life of the Thessalonians. Why? Because God is the one who was at work in, in sanctifying, strengthening, and supplying the church in Thessalonica. Although the church was started by Paul's ministry, he knows that the church's continued existence, its continued endurance and perseverance, is the result of God. And Paul has known this throughout his ministry. That's why he's always giving thanks to God. Listen to what he says about his thanks to God for the Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.2 We give thanks to God always for all of you. First Thessalonians 5.18 Everything give thanks. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.3 We ought always to give thanks to God for you. Second Thessalonians 2.13 We should always give thanks to God for you. See, God, he, Paul knows that God deserves thanks always and everything for the work that he does in the life of the Thessalonian church. And, there, and similarly, we also ought to learn that we, ought, we should that God deserves thanks always in everything for the work that He's doing in this church and in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul writes, conveys this, and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. All of us do different things in the life, uh, in the furtherance of the kingdom, but none of us can cause growth. It is God who causes growth. It's like the farmer, the, the different workers that come and sow the seed and plant and water. And all. Now they, can, they can just do the work, but nobody can cause that seed to take root and grow. Only God is behind that kind of work. 
God's behind it all. And you will see that actually in the verses that follow our passage, verses 11 through 13, that Paul, that Paul's prayer is that may the Lord direct, may the Lord cause, may the Lord establish. He is very much aware that God is the source of their sanctification. God is at work in their lives. And since Paul understands that God is the source of the Thessalonians' sanctification and growth, he continually prays to God for them. Prays night and day, continually. He prays that they might see, that they might be able to see the face of the Thessalonians again. But he's, he's praying to see them again, not just because he misses them. Not just because, oh, I just miss you guys. I want to see you. I want to talk. I want to shoot the breeze with you. But he prays that God will give them an opportunity to see them so that he can complete what is lacking in their faith. He's concerned for their spiritual well-being. He had been so quickly forced out of Thessalonica that he wasn't able to complete instructing the Thessalonians about their new faith. If the rest of 1 Thessalonians is any indication of what was lacking, it was instruction on hope. It was instruction on whom, in whom they are to hope in, in the face of affliction. They are to hope in Christ. They are to hope in Christ's return. He wanted to teach them that their hope in the face of affliction is in Jesus Christ. Not in Paul of Tarsus. Not in Apollos. Not in Silas or Timothy. Their hope is in Jesus. Church, your hope is in Jesus. It is not in Pastor Henry or Pastor Roger or Pastor Ray. It's not in any elder of this church or deacon or deaconess in this church. Even though we long to see one another, our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And that is why we ought to be praying for one another. That's why Paul prays for them. Because he knows that this, the key to the Thessalonians' growth is because is in God. When we re- pray for other believers, it reveals our awareness that God is the source of their sanctification, strength, and supply for their needs. And as we pray, we all we will see and we'll see God's answer. God delights in answering the prayer according to His will. We'll, we'll see it answered in the lives of the people we pray for as they are sanctified, as they are strengthened in the face of affliction, as they're supplied in their needs in, the, in, the, in, in times of, uh, of depravity or deprivation. And these all become reasons for us to give thanks to God. Yesterday we had our virtual Thanksgiving event. And I hope you are blessed by the food, by the faces of our church family. But most importantly, I, I pray that you are blessed by the fellowship of hearing God's sanctifying work in our lives. And as you heard the, the testimonies, I hope your heart was filled with joy and thanksgiving to God. God is continually at work in the life of this church. He has promised to do so. Paul writes to the Philippians, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the promise that God makes to every believer, every church, that when God begins a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. That means until you see Jesus face to face, 
He is at work in your life, in my life, not just individually, by the way, but as a corporate body, as a church. God is doing a work in this body. Even if we don't know exactly what that is, but He is doing it because He has promised to do so. And He will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Well, as we conclude... When we see Jesus face to face, the work that God is doing in our lives will be brought to completion. And for all eternity, for the rest of time, we will have every opportunity to give Him thanks and praise. And even then, by the way, it will not attain to the level of thanks that God deserves for all the joy that He has brought in our lives because of His work in us in Christ. But in the meantime, while on earth, let us give thanks to God. In this year of pandemic and political mayhem, let us give thanks to God for our hope in Christ. Let us give thanks to God for His church, His church that is steadfast in faith and love, for His church that stands firm in affliction, and for His church that is sanctified by Him. Let me leave you with three application questions just for your encouragement, for your reflection meditation this week. Number one, how has your faith in God and your love for Him and for one another, how has it remained steadfast or even has grown in this past year? How is it? It, 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 should, it should be steadfast. It should be, it should be growing in its, in, as well. Secondly, question number two, how are you standing in the face of affliction in this year. All of us are facing afflictions of different ways. The pandemic itself is, is one. But some of us, are, I, I know, are, lo- are without jobs for a while. Some of us are, have been in, having health issues. And that makes it difficult, for sure. It's been tough. Some of you have had relational problems in your homes. It's all... It's, it's the pandemic created, bringing all this out in us, in our lives. How do you stand firm in the Lord in the face of affliction? How are, you, are you standing firm? Are you standing, are you kind of wobbly in the knees? Look to the Lord. And thirdly, how is God sanctifying you this year? God is doing a work, right? And, and yes, normal, normal means of grace is He does it through His Word, through prayer, through fellowship in the church. The fellowship in the church has been extremely limited. Worship has been extremely limited. But that doesn't mean that that hinders God. God is not hindered by these things. God will use other means of grace in your life, whether His Word, through prayer, through maybe some virtual fellowship that you have. It may not be what you want, may not be what you expected, it may not be what you're used to, but God is at work. And so ask yourself, how has God been sanctifying me? Perhaps it's been in the, simple, the very fact that because of the things we've lost that has caused you to look to the one whom you can never lose, and that is Jesus Christ. That even the church is imperfect. Even the church can fail, at least humanly speaking. But Christ never does. And for these reasons and what he's doing, as you think about these questions, may you have many reasons to give thanks to God this year. 
Give thanks to God always, in everything, all the time, for all people.